put on your um like you know the marks and spencer's voice that joanna lumley used to do or the terms and conditions voice you've got to put that on because it's a sponsorship one so do we go this is not just <laughs> any podcast this is a this sponsored, is a sponsored podcast <laughs> um welcome everyone but to wait welcome to <laughs> but where are you from i've forgotten the name of my own podcast i have here carly Wu, who is my co-host for today hello everybody <laughs> is that your is that your joanna lumley this is my my introduction voice yeah. where it becomes quite deep mm-hmm. and, and hopefully <laughs> hopefully it will turn you on all just a little tiny bit like the MS advert does to me Yes, we're trying to aim for that right now. So, Carly Wu, you've been on the podcast before. We talked about life as a Hakka Chinese person. Did we talk about the takeaway much? I can't remember. We, I think we touched on it. Yeah, but we, we touched on it. And I have to add as well, oh mm. my God, I'm on Viv's podcast again. <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah! Why did she ask me to come back on again? It's it's an honor. It's an honor to to go from a, a hard hardcore <laughs> to come from a longtime listener and dedicated fan, and um, somehow become a friend and also co-founder of Be Seen. Uh, to be on this pod with you has been has been amazing. So, so funny. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're so funny that you you label yourself as a dedicated fan. I am. I've been here from episode one. I know. <laughs> from I know. my unsolicited feedback of episode one i thought it was great feedback it was very long feedback but it was very good <laughs> feedback nonetheless very um, fangirling feedback <laughs> it was. well it's a it's an honor and a privilege to host this podcast with you and uh, for us to speak with julie marr so we are sponsored by welbeck publishing who are the publishers of happy families uh, julie marr's book which has just come out published on the 18th of february would you like to tell the listeners carly what the book is about yeah, so I'll put on my, my voice for this. So Amy... <laughs> right, okay, see Amy Lee is 34 and has just given up her glittering career in the big Welsh city to move back in with her grandfather, Agong, in the flat above the Chinese takeaway. Why? That's a secret she won't tell. Just like the secret of why her grandfather, Agong, and her father, T.C. Lee, haven't spoken to each other in 30 years. Weirder still, they've lived in the same flat above the takeaway for most of those years, with Amy's mother Joan acting as their unfortunate go-between and buffer. Now Amy's parents have moved, leaving her in charge of looking after the old man. But then, a gong collapses in the street and Amy realises time is running out if she wants to play Happy Families again. Thank you, Carly. Very welcome. I hope The Voice did the synopsis in justice. Mm -hmm. Um, This is also um, the winner of the 2020 Richard and Judy Search for a Bestseller competition, and it's the debut of the year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So make sure that you get your hands on this, because we are just so honoured to be working with them, because we're both takeaway kids. Like, who would have thought that on the podcast we'd be sponsored by a book that talks about takeaway life? It's so fitting. It's so fitting. It's come back full circle. And to be honest, who would have thought that there are books on the Chinese takeaway in general? Mm-hmm. You know, who would have thought there there's any literature or any form of representation mm-hmm. on this matter? So it's really, I think, a, a special one for um, you know the takeaway kids out there, or anyone in the British Chinese community, really, mm-hmm. or anyone in in a diaspora um, in Britain who is familiar with their families um, 
you know working hard and and owning shops or, or whatever business that is mm-hmm. it is funny isn't it how the past uh, year we've had a couple of books that have popped up uh talking about takeaway life whereas beforehand we haven't seen any we haven't seen any at all can you remember any books that talk about takeaway life before this no, year and last year not unless there were short stories written by me <laughs> um, no i mean the books the books that i grew up reading that remotely featured uh, a chinese character a chinese story mm-hmm. were were set in china mm-hmm. and and as i say those are rare mm, yeah exactly what, what yourself? no exactly the same it's only the past year mm-hmm. that i've uh, read books that have some kind of relation to my upbringing you know like reading this book it was just really nice just to even hearing the mun- mundane aspects of um a chinese takeaway family life you know like eating yeah. food together buying fillet of fish <laughs> mcdonald's for <laughs> your parents those little things those little insights that you just don't see in books that i read growing up all the teen books that i read yeah. growing up just didn't see that at all so it was really cool to speak with julie um what did you think of our chat with julie really enjoyable i loved especially mm. how we shared our takeaway backgrounds and and again it's it's parallel in the book where it's mentioned things like um customer habits or or meals that we remember from customers or mm. you know experiences and and all of that i think that's what makes it so exciting and it's more than just the novel it's it's who has written the novel and the background that's informed that and it makes it more um authentic essentially and relatable so i yeah that that chat was brilliant we covered a lot of topics mm. from our our takeaway backgrounds how we how we felt about it growing up and um what else did we talk about we talked about a lot of things we talked about a lot of things we talked about um the the British media and how yes, uh, we mm-hmm. don't see that much representation on our screens and what that means. I also tried to convince Julie to watch Bling Empire, but I don't think she was <laughs> oh, yes. impressed or <laughs> wanted to had any interest. You'll also find out at the end um, whether what team Julie belongs in. Yes. Rice or noodles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Which team? So please hang on to the end for that because, you know, you might be surprised or you might not be. <laughs> There's only two choices. (laughs) There's a lot of juicy content. So yeah, we hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Thank you, Carly, for being my co-host. Well, thank you for for having me on and thank you for this brilliant conversation with Julie. And hopefully this will encourage um, listeners to to not only buy the book, but also consider buying a takeaway to listen (laughs) to the podcast and to read with the book. So that's lots of, that's two takeaway opportunities there. Oh my God, that is such a good idea. In fact, I'm going to do that tonight. Whilst I edit this podcast, I will order a takeaway. What's what's your go-to tonight, do you think? My go-to, well, I like to have a spread of things. I don't like to just order one meal because I feel like that's mm-hmm. just such a cop-out when you're ordering a takeaway, even if you're just ordering <laughs> it as a single person by yourself. We like to have leftovers for at least two days. Um, yeah, of course. So I'm definitely going for like um, some kind of crispy duck pancake, probably. I'll keep to a quarter, you know, um, and then I'll probably get mm-hmm. some uh, spring rolls uh, and then I'll probably get some crispy veggie or or the large ones with charcy pork. Oh, I, I like I like veggie spring rolls, but I also enjoy the meat spring rolls as well. But they usually have um, minced pork in them. Do you get a char siu in yours? It's your char siu, yeah. your spring rolls. Yeah, so we, oh. we do it with um, char siu pork and prawns and bean sprouts and, and everything oh, else. Oh, that is here. posh. That is fancy spring rolls. 
No. And you get two two big large spring rolls in the one packet, whereas the veggie spring rolls you get six mini ones. Do you have yeah. um the chop suey rolls then? Is that classed as a spring roll? Have you seen a chop suey roll? You know the ones that are like this thick, thick CC. Oh, that might be our regular. Is it? That's a regular yeah. spring roll. It's that big because in our takeaways we were like it was like a probably a like. Um, this is not helpful for the podcast listeners at all. <laughs> like a with her hands smaller than that. I'd say smaller than that. It would be smaller? like the size of um, oh, what what is the equivalent? Like the length of my phone, maybe a bit. You know, the palm of your hand, if not a bit smaller. But we didn't have the mini ones. We didn't have the mini mm. ones. Yeah, they were all standard size spring rolls. Mm. My but, parents' yeah, spring yeah, rolls the were the best. Ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you help wrap them? I tried. Or did you just eat them? I would eat them more than wrap them. To be fair, <laughs> I was I, a bad takeaway worker. <laughs> you were a child, probably at that point. <laughs> I was six years old. <laughs> and then you also mentioned it was crispy shredded beef, yeah? Or mm-hmm. what was it? What was crispy shredded beef. Um, I'll probably make my own boiled rice because I've got a rice cooker now, so I can I can do that. Not to flex or anything, but just saying. <laughs> um, and some salt, pepper, chips, and curry sauce. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, yeah. That that my order. What would yours be? Are you going to get one tonight? I am tempted after this talk now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking, do I go for likewise crispy shredded beef, mm-hmm. or do I go for oh, what sauce do you have that in then? Crispy shredded beef. Crispy shredded beef is uh, um, it's actually maybe I shouldn't divulge this as a, as a secret, but it is a spicy Peking sweet and sour mix of a sauce. Oh, so you just bash the two yeah. together, basically. I didn't say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Support your local takeaway because they know how to do it. Um, yeah, I think it would be that, or um, maybe I should go for like chicken and cashew nuts. That's, that. someone, that's something I haven't had in a while. Someone. My mum used to love. <laughs> my mum used to love that dish, but I'm not a big fan because like there's nothing crispy in there. Well, I guess the cashew nuts have a, a slight crunch to them, but they're soft. They're soft cashew like that, nuts. That sauce. That sauce isn't too heavy. Interesting. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just do the whole salt and pepper chips and curry sauce. Yeah. This. What did you call it in the podcast? Um, the three treasures. Yeah, so the nickname we have it is is the free treasures, but that's a nickname amongst like chefs, and it's more of a of a sarky comment on the customers' order. <laughs> on, on like the main, all like a happy meal or a box meal or, you know. <laughs> so is that just so, so? So explain what's in it. So it's fried rice, curry sauce, and chips. Yeah, usually it will be chips, rice, and a sauce. But yeah. The the most the ordered combination is fried rice, chips, and curry sauce. Mm. I think the. The now, like because of the introduction of salt and pepper and the rise of its popularity, it, it now is more salt and pepper chips, fried rice, and mm. curry sauce. But it depends on person. To do person. do you pour the curry sauce over the salt and pepper chips and the fried rice, or is it a separate sauce, a separate entity, so to speak? Separate sauce because mm. that means the chips um stay crispy for a bit longer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but some people enjoy having it poured over it depends on the person i i personally would have the sauce separate mm-hmm. and i'm not a curry sauce person i'm more of a i'm more of a gravy or oh you're a gravy person there is yeah i mean yeah time and a place for a gravy no but i don't think chinese takeaway i would get go for a gravy i'd go for it in a chippy chippy chip mm. shop but not not a chinese takeaway 
Mm. And I'd yeah. satay, love, yeah, love a satay. Love a satay sauce. The only thing that I found is like, it's so different, the satay sauces in various establishments. Yeah. It can look a totally different colour sometimes as well. You just don't know what you're going to get. Same for gravy. That's why I like mm. to try it. But I mean, I'm, I'm quite a, I'm quite a non, well, not non-sauce, but yeah, with that sort of combination, I'm quite happy to not have sauce. Oh, just interesting. No, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a zap person. Zap, zap all the way. <laughs> zap is sauce for anyone who doesn't speak Cantonese. Well, on that note, we'll, we're yes. going to let you enjoy the podcast episode. And thank you again for our sponsors. And for anyone who um, is a, a British Chinese takeaway kid or, or owner or worker mm-hmm. and you've read the book, listen to the podcast and give us a wee prod. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your stories as well. Mm-hmm. Prodders, prodders. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Carl. Welcome, Julie Ma, to But Where Are You From? Hello. Hello. <laughs> thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. It's so nice to, to have another takeaway kid on the podcast. Uh, we all, uh, Carly's on the podcast too, and all three of Hello. us come from takeaway backgrounds. <laughs> um, so it's really, really lovely to, to be able to chat with you and talk about your book and your experiences and everything like that. How have you been? Um, it's been an unusual few weeks, um, slightly different to how it normally is. Um, since the book's been published a couple of weeks ago, there's been a flurry of media interest in the takeaway. Mm. In the, all the um, interviews have taken place here, which you can see on the Zoom camera. Um, yeah. But on the whole, it's been fabulous. It's been really good. And it's really important, I think, that something different is being seen, something that hasn't been seen before mm-hmm. um, is getting seeing in the wider world and I think that's brilliant yeah and you know just mentioning the takeaway background the tile behind you I'm pretty sure I've seen multiple takeaways with that sort of tile and I love the commonalities between them the classic yeah, when I <laughs> I mean I want to hear about your two backgrounds as takeaway children as well but I do know that when I go to places and I'm on the bus or the train and you go past one I'm like this oh pressing my face up against the train window or the bus <laughs> window because I want to see them yeah. Um, and sometimes, like, if it's a really long road, there's like five or six. And some of them have, I can't, I should have brought some examples, but some of them, it's, it's hairdressers and takeaways, isn't it? They have the most punning names, and that's yes. brilliant. But I can't think of any examples, sorry. <laughs> Beth, do you want to share your takeaway background? Because I think it's great that the three of us all mm. have takeaway restaurant backgrounds, and the fact that, Viv, you're in England, Julie, you're mm. in Wales, and I'm in Scotland, so we're covering yes. three different <laughs> bases. Well, yeah, we're covering well, the, three, the three nations here. <laughs> Yes. Um, Well, this takeaway has been here since um, the 1970s. My parents started it up. It is not entirely like the takeaway in the store in the book. So my parents were here and they ran it to raise a family, really. Mm -hmm. And then we were all supposed to go away and and like the two of you probably go away and get different jobs. Um, Well, my parents, I think in start start the turn of the century I, I was working somewhere else as a customer service manager and it didn't work out for whatever reason um, and around about that time um so I came back as a temporary arrangement really to help out although as you know your teenage years are always spent here aren't they and then perhaps when you're in university or whatever your holidays are spent here mm. um, and then my parents got ill and um they passed away so they sort of indicated they would like the business to carry on for a bit. So we decided to do that. 
And as the time wore on, I think especially now that this that this story has come out into the wider world, previously it would have been a bit embarrassing to say, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I run a takeaway in this little, little shop and it's, you know, not doesn't seem to do much, but especially since the pandemic. But even before that, I'd come to realise that it's more important than you think. Mm-hmm. And just because something hasn't been shown in a glamorous light in the media or in fiction doesn't mean it's not important. Mm-hmm. And now it is in the media and fiction and it is quite important. Yes. And I, mm, I don't know if that's how you feel about, what were your, because t- the other thing I noticed about us is that um, obviously I'm a whole generation older than you two, but still you have this similar experience. And also my parents and my aunties and uncles, um, they have a completely different experience of what life was like. And I, it's completely different, but it's slightly the same, isn't it? Some of the things mm. would be in common, mm. unfortunately. So I'd be interested to hear how it was like for you two. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of commonalities, um, I think, uh, with the experience. I mean, I was quite lucky in the sense that I didn't have to, I wasn't tied to the takeaway that often. You know, my mum and dad uh, hired staff and um, they their aspirations were for us to not work in the takeaway. You know, they were very adamant oh, yeah. that they really yes. wanted us to get a, go to, get an education, go to university, mm. um, get a job in like the, the Western world, an, o- an office job, a proper job, so to speak. Mm. Um, and so that was that was never really within their their plans um, for us. Um, so I was very lucky in that sense. Like I obviously had to do like working on the weekends and even sometimes when I was working a full-time job would have to work on uh, the weekends too. And you, you obviously you are obligated to do that um I think Carly and I when we were discussing the book we were talking about how um there was obviously some some resentment there as a as a, a teen you feel that kind of angst to want to you want to hang out with your mm-hmm. mates you want to do what all your your white friends are doing who aren't tied to their family business um and so I think that Carly and I were discussing I don't know whether you ever felt the same um a, a level of resentment um that I guess as we've gotten older we've kind of started to it's kind of dissipated and we really start to appreciate Definitely. why what they're doing and the sacrifices that they made for us um growing up so I definitely I have really really mixed feelings about it and it's kind of evolved over the years uh, what about yourself Carly yeah I think actually this relates to what Julie was mentioning earlier that it comes back round to the fact that the takeaway is more than just a little shop it actually holds a lot more of our heritage than we possibly believe at first and you know that that history is so rich as well in British history you know for me I in a way didn't actually have um I didn't grow up in a takeaway per se but my uncle's restaurant and takeaway was very close by and my parents met there and they worked there um until they took over for a few years so I wasn't directly working there until when my parents took over and I was about 17 and I was studying and then I worked on the weekends and even though I came to it quite late and it was nothing like what my cousins experienced you know working there when they were nine etc it was still this feeling of oh, why why do I have to be obliged to work there and it's not just the tying down and not being able to do other social activities but it's also the I suppose the expectations of you as a, as a Chinese person in Britain those stereotypes you know I I hated being identified as oh the kid who 
is related to the family that owns a Chinese restaurant. But at the same time, there was also this pride of, oh yeah, that's where you get your dinner from, you know, my family. (laughs) So there's this strange, um, you know, a dichotomy, I guess, of feelings where where you enjoy that pride, but you also want to shy away from it because it's drawing you too much attention. Mm -hmm. You know, at a time when you're trying to fit in, it's making you stand out even more. But now as I've gotten older, certainly realizing that actually what the takeaway and restaurant industry for British Chinese um, people um, mean, we actually have a very unique, you know, Mm. culture that's developed from that. Um, Mm. So yeah, you know, Viv and I were talking about how, um, like Amy, um, Julie, yourself, you have done a number of jobs, and whether that is part of, um, you know, a manifestation of those feelings, and whether it was important for you to include that in Amy's story, where we know that she was um, moving out to Cardiff in a big town, um, and then for some reason, you know, she comes back to Kuzmenin. I hope I've pronounced that right. It's um, brilliant, yes. <laughs> and she comes back and then, you know, everyone um, in the town are, are very surprised yeah. to see her. And, you know, is, was there a parallel in, in your story um, and whether, as I said, was it important to include that? Because I think that is quite a universal experience for a lot of takeaway kids. Um, yes, it's not particularly paralleled in my story. I think the part where you're 18 and you want to go away and you went to exactly as Viv said, um, you're supposed to go out and get a better job. Um, that was part of it. Um, hmm, the whole coming, but again, you see these other stories about if people have to move away and come back, especially now with the pandemic where adult children are moving back in with their parents for whatever reason, it's just a rich seam of entertainment really, isn't it? Potential for entertainment and argument. The other thing about um, the takeaway is that when I came back to work here in the takeaway and I wanted to write, unfortunately, writing is something that I'd love to be able to say that this book was written snap like that and I was a genius and I didn't have to pay for help uh, to look at it and to learn the writing skills. And working here was a perfectly good way to earn that money, to acquire the skills and have the time to do all that. Mm-hmm. And that's what my parents always used to say when I'd say, oh, you know, working in a shop and you work all the time and we don't see you so very much. They would say, well, working to make the money so you can have the things you want. Mm. And that's pretty much how it is. And again, for lots of businesses, lots of, like, I'm sure that plumbers don't like standing knee deep in shit all the time, but they do it for their family <laughs> or whatever, don't they? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Did your parents um, know that you had aspirations to write? Were they still around when you were talking about wanting to be a writer? They, um, I don't think so, no. I think writing has been a sort of quiet thing that I've kept on the side. I've always written since I was a child and I was told in primary school that I was, you know, okay or quite good at it. In secondary school, I think it's just a bigger environment, isn't it? It must be the same for you. Um, I would say that looking back in primary school, I think they were lovely to me because they could see that I was different and perhaps needed more help. Um, So they were lovely. In secondary school, you're all lumped in together and you're very much... uh, well, you're very much um, just a face. And I remember in my secondary school, which was back in the 1980s, there were only about half a dozen children who weren't white. And mm. I remember it was quite normal mm. that say there was another girl in a completely different year who was say black, that they would just call her name out and expect you to answer. Mm. And then obviously it was like, but now I think, oh, well, whatever. But again, that's something that happens with age. And I know that perhaps some young people would think, oh, that's awful. and 
I think just, as you said, you mellow with age. I, I would mm. find it unacceptable if that happened now. But I look back on the people from the past and think you were just the people of the past. So Yeah. At some point you have to let go of that. Because uh, I mm. think if you continue harboring that resentment it, it it couldn't be very tiring you know like i think we we certainly like being on social media we see so many instances of racism cultural appropriation um oh, and yeah. Yeah. you know even just yesterday we we saw a takeaway um a chinese takeaway owned by a white man in north london and the way they've marketed the website is very much about uh, denigrating other Chinese traditional Chinese takeaways, saying things like, oh, yeah, "If you've seen yeah. like the way a Chinese restaurant front shop looks, and it's all like you know um, dirty and stuff, can you imagine what it looks like in the kitchen in the back? Our takeaway is a lot cleaner. We don't use MSG. There's a lot of racism there. Um, we don't. Uh, all of our food is clean, um, and it's very much um, colonizing takeaways <sighs> and, at the detriment of what we grew what up with." Yeah, I was going to say, what a knob, quite frankly. <laughs> exactly, what a knob. It's okay yeah. for him to be a white and run a Chinese takeaway. I have no problem with that part. Mm. But the marketing part is the part that's a bit twattish, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Anyway, no, we're quite free with our language here. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so glad you're swearing on here. I love it. There we go. Well, there we it. go. We'll, you know, we'll see how it turns out. It's when, you know, he's taking on a business um, that well if it wasn't for the original takeaways he wouldn't have had it yet he feels the need to disrespect that and that's mm -hmm. it's well petty. we have to give him well i haven't seen it myself personally so perhaps it's been misinterpreted in the media which we know all about but i'm just going to take it at the face level you've described me at and it's not it's not an ideal situation <laughs> no is it? we've been we've mm. been um we've been sharing it quite a lot on social media yeah. we're not on. we're not shy about it at all <laughs> we've been stalking like seeing what he's been getting up to but he had a uh on his linkedin profile he's put his title as the chow, uh -oh. chow manager the chat would you ever call yourself that julie would you ever call yourself the chow manager oh, i am chief chow manager no no i've never heard of it it's awful you see what i mean about the puns don't you mm. they think mm, yeah mm. oh well um perhaps well that's the other thing isn't it um you engage with people and if there are some people that you're never going to be able to engage with and you're never going to change their mind and there are some people you can so perhaps he'll fall into that second group and once he's seen what you've had to say he might have a little think about what he does hopefully fingers crossed maybe not i don't know who do you he think is. that carly do you, do you have that um, you... level of hope for him well i'll, I'll be honest i'm quite a, a brutal person so i just <laughs> going to retain his say quite all thing as amy likes to say oh but, yes, yeah? that, yes. <laughs> so i leading on to that actually i was very interested in in the use of the cantonese and obviously for the three of us we um, grew up with um, Cantonese speaking backgrounds. So mm. seeing that Cantonese switching in the novel was really relatable for me. Um, it's a form of representation that I've not seen in literature. And what I wanted to ask was, you know, including phrases mm. like bloody foreign ways, in which is translated from say guai thing. And I wondered whether, you know, did you meet any um, obstructions or have any doubts in having the phonetic writing of Cantonese? Because I think perhaps it's it's obviously an added level of um dedication to that you know you could have just as easily written they said the dialogue in cantonese but it's including phrases like say quite low thing which is very common you know this sort of desire for our parents very often to not be too westernized to not be so mm. wising 
and <laughs> I wondered whether you know were you hesitant to include that or obviously not but was there moments where you wondered mm, should I admit that or not does it give a certain um representation of British Chinese but as I say you know I, I think it's very true and I love that yeah um I translated it as bloody western ways oh yes um rather than bloody foreign ways and I think she does say at some point she's talking about um Guaylao and then she says, oh, the, the British man or the English man, because obviously the literal translation is, is a tiny bit offensive, really. So, we, and she does, she does say, I found a more politically correct way of translating it. Um, yeah, I didn't have any kickback from anybody about it in terms of, by the time I'd won the competition, they had decided this is the book and it's fairly good to go. Before that, in the many years of rejection, who knows what difference those comments made mm-hmm. and why, they may have led directly to rejection, so I don't know. But since it's won the competition, I've had no pushback. I feel it's an important part mm. of the colour of the novel. The only, the main thing that worried me is that I get all the spellings wrong because some people came back and said, "Yeah, yeah, it's not spelt like that." And I was like, "Too bad. It's good enough." It's <laughs> your book. <laughs> yeah, you can write it in any way you want. Mm. Just for the listeners who may not understand, who may not, who aren't Cantonese speakers, Guelo, the 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 actual literal term itself. Uh, translates to correct me if I'm wrong here because <laughs> my country is terrible um uh, ghost man is that right so kind of is that, yeah. is that how it translates yeah. and it's, it's quite obviously um um has ne- negative connotations it doesn't shine um a good light on yes. white people <laughs> if you've ever stood I've only ever been to Hong Kong once and my two memorable experiences were inadvertently saying that expression in public and getting a lot of disgusted looks oops <laughs> Um, so that, that was that was the only time I, I think that was the first time I realised that it's not on to say that, but it had just slipped out. And the other one was when I was in, you know, you go down to, I don't know if you've been to Hong Kong, either of you. Yes, yes I think. Yes. Yeah, you go there for the white, for the, you know, cameras and things cheap down by the dock. And I was trying to buy a cheap camera in Cantonese and the man just said, your Cantonese is shit, isn't it? <laughs> oh. I was like, thanks there, mate. Hong Kongers don't hold back. Yeah. No. And they literally laughed at how poor quality it was. So Mm. those are my two main experiences of Hong Kong. Anyway. Oh, I can relate to that as well. I mean, when I've when I've been over before and I've really tried my best, like I think I think uh, I don't know whether like they they're just more accepting and and knowing of like our generation of British born Chinese people knowing that we go back over to Mm. Hong Kong to visit and they they know that we are uh, foreigners in a sense. Um Uh, they, they've always kind of taken it in good humor with me and, and can see that I'm really trying my best, you know, and uh, are accepting that, like, you know, they're British, we're yeah. British born. But um, yeah, he, perhaps he was just a grumpy old man. <laughs> he was he was just a, a young, a youngling who thought it'd be amusing Aww. to mock me. But there were lovely Aww. people there as well who recognize it. And then they, yeah. they try their best, don't they? So, mm-hmm. yes. So. Um, I wanted to just say congratulations as well for, for winning Thank Richard you. and Judy's Search for a Bestseller yes. Competition. How did you feel? How did you feel? How did that feel for you as someone who is um, Chinese, someone first-time author? How did it feel? Um, it felt amazing and continues to feel wonderfully amazing. I am so happy to be... Um, it's been. It's not been an obstacle-free arrival at this moment of publication. But it is great to be up there with the other Chinese, British or Chinese-American writers like um, Asia McKay or 
Su Cheng or Celeste Ng or any of these people. So it's brilliant to be in there. And I think it's important. It's all an important part of the thing of being seen, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, either being seen because your characters are Chinese or being seen because you are the writer and you're Chinese and you've written a book that includes lots of different um, people. So that's been brilliant. Um, in terms of the Richard and Judy thing, I think they might be fed up with me stressing this part, but it was entered into the competition. The competition has no obligation to be diverse at all. And it was still chosen as the winner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we want to head. Um, I always have to proceed this part by saying it's my own experience. But when I entered competitions for diverse voices or initiatives for diverse voices, I didn't get anywhere, anywhere at all. And I don't really know why that is. And to this competition, it got picked out. And I think it is the role that you said in Viv, in one of your one of your podcasts, that it's for everybody to, to walk the walk and talk the talk. So if they see that they think this novel is good, they don't think, oh, what's that? you're going to want to read about these Chinese people. We just, that, yeah, we're all white, but we're all going to pick this book anyway. Yeah. And I think oh. that's an important, that's the way things should be. Things should be chosen without having to go to special yeah. initiatives and things yeah. we need to do that for now but eventually that's the goal isn't it absolutely yeah thanks for thanks mm-hmm. for quoting me i don't remember saying half of these things so <laughs> appreciate that um but yeah it's quite interesting a lot of the wisdom coming out you just don't remember it that's <laughs> yeah forget i'm like shit was that me who said that um i think it's a really interesting point uh, when it comes to you know you having to enter into these diverse competitions and then not not getting anywhere with those because i think that just speaks to the the wider issue that we have is like the complete erasure of um of uh, east and southeast asian culture in in the yeah. uk and you know we we see we see the prevalence of other cultures south asian culture black culture um and with with i guess our culture all we all we see is that the takeaways uh and that's kind of how we're mm. presented on screen on uh whatever it might be um and apart from that there is complete erasure to to tell our stories in a in a mm. very nuanced way um so yeah i'm sorry that was your your experience with um these diverse competitions oh, <laughs> oh well mm. there we are um i don't know without seeing it from the other side i don't know what it means really why that didn't happen it's very possible that they were like 25 other splendid diverse writers ahead of me in the queue who are much better which is a possibility i suppose there we go <laughs> i suppose um but the thing about um i've noticed we, we have moved on a lot haven't we because there's a scene in the book where they all got very excited because somebody chinese has appeared on the television yeah and i don't know if that was the case still with still is a little bit now there's like a sky advert isn't there sky Q advert where there's a little chinese girl and her baby brother or sister and they're watching Cartoon Channel and they're clearly Southeast Asian and even now I look at that and I go ooh, ooh. Mm. and really I like to think we should be beyond that and we nearly are but we're not quite there um yeah we've definitely got a long way to go I think I think there's still you know the different um representations of uh, of South East Asians and East Asians as well um I think we're, we're still working on that unfortunately well i suppose constant vigilance is the thing isn't it but when i think about um say for example if you watch normal people did you watch normal people yeah yeah and Sally, um, Sally Rooney. yeah Sally Rooney. um yeah yeah Sally Rooney. and connor's girlfriend in later on um helen in the book she's helen and she's irish 
But in the dramatization, she was played by Eva Hines, who is a um, Southeast Asian actress. Um, she won Celebrity Mastermind a few weeks ago, if you're interested. No um, she, she played the part. And when they show the bits where she's with her family, they're all Southeast Asians. She, you know, it's not, it's not the main part, and it's not the girl who gets the boy at the end. But you know, it's a big part that was not specified to be yeah. anything other than white Irish, mm. and she's not. So that's brilliant. That's a brilliant depiction. Um, and other things like to all the girl, to all the boys I've loved before, not to all the girls I've loved before. The Netflix film, yeah. again, mm -hmm. you know, Asian Southeast Asian mm. depiction. Yeah. Um, but that's noted, but not integral. And I think that's what yeah. we need to aim for, really. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I felt like when I was watching that as well, even though it's, uh, I think they're Korean, aren't they? Their their family. Um, yes. Uh -huh. Well, the thing is about that as well is that I haven't actually seen it because I'm far too old to be watching YA films. <laughs> I'm thirty. So I'm thirty. So. I actually just watched it last weekend. Did you? <laughs> I Was haven't seen it. I haven't seen um, it before, so I thought, oh, I really wanted to to see it because of all the reviews. And likewise, you know, I never, when I grew up, it wasn't ever. Um, a film like that you know what I watched was Mean Girls and what I watched yeah. were all American white high school girls so mm -hmm. I watched that thinking you know I'd like to see how it's done and and just to see the main lead being a an American Korean actress um, someone who slightly resembled me um, and then also to see the casting of the school students there was a decent mixture of um well quote unquote ethnic minority I, I use that because you know for for a lot of east asians we're not actually a global minority <laughs> we're only a minority <laughs> in white and western countries yeah. so seeing that you know that was that was brilliant regardless of the plot just watching that and i know as well there's another film that i want to watch on netflix that also features um more um, east asian and southeast asian casts mm. I was going to say about that Netflix film is that I hadn't seen it, but I had seen about it. So when I looked it up on the internet just before I came on here with you to just know what it was about, it does not at any point say on IMDb that they are Southeast Asian. It just says whatever the girl's name is yeah, yeah. and the boyfriend, Peter and whatever. So that's where we, I don't know, you yeah. have to yeah, note to people's backgrounds, exactly. but it doesn't make, it doesn't other them. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah I, I totally agree with that and i think uh, in america that they're certainly a, a few steps ahead of us um when it comes to that kind of representation in in that oh. way although having said that i don't know whether you've seen bling empire at all the reality <laughs> tv show i noticed that you're watching that and i was thinking oh no she watches Australia and everything doesn't she <laughs> i do um, i do <laughs> <laughs> i have no shame <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's like the whole crazy rich Asians thing, though, isn't it? It's like bling, yeah. bling, bling. Um, mm. And obviously, we're entitled to have our bling, bling, bling bits that aren't of personal interest to me. But yes, <laughs> the whole scope of everything. We should see the whole scope of everything, yeah. um, but with different faces to the but one Julie, have you watched see. it? Because it's actually very <laughs> entertaining. <laughs> I think I might want to throttle her. She seems awful in the pictures I've seen. But obviously, she's a human being with feelings and things. Mm. But, um, what's she like? Is she really awful? Are we talking about one of the main characters in? in she the woman. They're all main characters, aren't they? Yeah, Are they? yeah. Are they yeah they, it's, a, it's a whole cast. Yeah, I mean, so so we watch it with like a side eye of cynicism, but at the same time. We allow the space for us to enjoy it. 
<laughs> sometimes you just have to switch off and enjoy these things otherwise that was so democratically put i would have just said oh, i fucking love it <laughs> <laughs> it's it's honestly like you know we know it's a reality tv show we know it's produced and it's set up and there's loads of um mm. you know scenes in there that are made for the camera but at the same time they they do touch on a lot of asian um themes and and uh stories that we um we don't really hear that much you know they talk about mm. the the pressures of um parental kind of um yeah. you know their needs and wants uh they talk about um like the superstitions around death um mm-hmm. they you know there's there's a lot of themes actually uh in there that are actually quite interesting and and, and relatable in a sense considering the fact that it's uh spotlighting people who are like insanely rich in in and like you know obviously that's so unrelatable to me but in terms of like the the family aspect and uh the elements of uh, yeah the culture Mm. i feel like it 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 was quite interesting actually to find relatability within that uh despite our lifestyles being quite different and that's because of our culture and ethnicity Mm -hmm. it's definitely you know actually now that you've mentioned this point it's actually very important in terms of the representation too because of course with most reality tv shows it does mainly feature white people Mm. you know look at the kardashians who obviously are questionable in their ethics and everything else but to have that reality tv show for east and southeast asians although it's very vacuous at points but actually you have those elements of culture feeding in and perhaps there's something to be said then for audiences who may enjoy that sort of tv that that's uh, an in into a culture mm. and uh, visibility of, of people that isn't normally shown. So although, yes, we are, we seem to be having this crazy rich narrative going on. And of course, with the increase of international um, students as well, um, I'm sure this has happened to you, you know, where you get mistaken for, for an international Chinese student. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, and then, you know, so having that dialogue, although they're quite extreme I think it's been quite important to to change or to diversify and to widen the visibility that we have in mainstream culture Mm. yes that's true that's a very good point actually um but of course I love that we also have the everyday stories like what we see in in your novel um, and the takeaway and and how it doesn't necessarily have to be something totally exaggerated or extreme mm. you know, that these um everyday lives of the people who who serve us behind the counter or rather who work behind the counter like us mm. yeah. um that there's also a lot of things going on and there's a lot of rich history behind that you know when we look at um Agong's history and how he emigrated um to Cosmenin and, and, and Wales how that is a very common theme amongst that generation of mm. um, Hong Kong Chinese that moved over and then became British Chinese. Mm. Yeah, you asked, I mean, there has been, I try to avoid the feedback really, because in case any of them get really offensive or personal, but there is a general feeling that it is a quiet story. Um, there did used to be a quite a dramatic subplot um, involving gambling, and I, I weep when I think about the the time I spent sitting in Ladbrokes researching this part of the story, um, <laughs> where um, Amy's dad gets involved in the gambling syndicate, and mm. uh, you know there's a real peril with the with the property and money and things. Mm. Uh, one of the times I sent it out, I was told this story is quite boring, or the novel is quite boring. Mm. So I had to work out which were the boring bits, and that was the bit I chose to take out. And it seems to have worked, and that perhaps it was a bit clunky. But yes, I, I, 
you do as a general novel writer you do try and find the exciting mm. and sometimes it works out for you and sometimes it doesn't I, I'll admit that it's um, a very ordinary story really I think there's um, something lovely in that though you know yeah. like there was times in it even thinking about talking talking about uh, the acts of service and expressing that through mm. food and and we found that so relatable and Carly and I were discussing this yesterday uh, and how uh, there's a scene where Amy goes to visit her agung and uh, buys him a fish uh, fillet of fish burger from <laughs> McDonald's and we were both saying that's my mum's favorite McDonald's yep. meal and that's my also, dad's yeah yeah, yeah. And um, we were like, is this a thing in Chinese culture where... Um, it's not the red fish. meat. The fillet of fish is the one to go for. <laughs> yeah. Chicken know, burger if that's not available. Because you have to wait for the yes, fillet of fish, don't you? Exactly. Yes, it's Do fresh. You know, that's it. Exactly. They order it because they know it's freshly prepared. Mm. Ah, and and yeah. <laughs> the way love is that. expressed is, um, you know, it's not overtly expressed between the family members, but we know it's there through those acts of service. You know, like Amy's mum feeding a gun congee while she's in hospital. Um, do you feel like this is accurate with with how your family expressed love growing up? It's definitely accurate with my family. Um, I don't think. Well, it goes back to what my I said about my parents when we said things like, because we were always busy when you asked for this interview originally, you asked for it to be on the Saturday and today is Sunday. And I said, oh no, Saturday, Saturday is out of the question for people in this profession, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's true. So that meant that, you know, in childhood, there weren't so many Saturday excursions or anything with your parents. Mm. But again, they would say, well, we showed our love by making the money so that you could yeah. go on that school trip or have that book or have that video game or whatever. Mm -hmm. So in a way, love is shown in a different way and even going back as far as King Lear, um, the importance of acting well by your parents as, as opposed to just talking the talk has been a thing, really. And it's certainly been the case in this family. There is a slight temptation to confuse things and think this is because we're Chinese, isn't it? When really it might just be because we're a weird family. But I don't know if your family was ever told to do those things like don't wash your hair on New Year's Eve and, yes. and um, whatever. The other one, there's another bit in the book where they spend a load of time trying to find the right temperature for the water to drink. And you have to get some hot water and some cool water. You tip yeah. it back and forth. And the other thing we used to do, I don't know if you used to do this, is you'd go into the kitchen, you'd find this pan soaking. So you'd wash it up. And then somebody would run in and go, where's my thin broth gone? My thin broth is... <laughs> I don't know. Was that just us, or is that I, common to I never used to wash up willingly, so no. oh. <laughs> that, that didn't happen very often with me. But the hot water thing, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm. So I'm, I'm the thing is, I didn't know. We don't know for certain whether those. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad to put those things out and for people to see things. Mm. I remember watching. Was it Ronnie Cheng, international student? Have you seen that? It's no. on BBC Three. Mm. It's really good. And in episode one, Ronnie talks about his mum and her insistence on getting his humours rights and everything, mm. um, by eating the right things. And I was like, that's it. It's not just us. It's everybody. <laughs> but you don't know these things until they're presented for you to see. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. I, I, um, I feel like 
you know the this book it's it's the obviously it's fictional and it's from the perspective of one family but i think it really does feed into the the rich tapestry that we're creating in the uk now like with the with the likes of like sue chung's book as well um mm. and also like we, we've seen um podcast pop up where we're hearing more stories of the takeaway we're seeing we're seeing instagram posts that are, like focus on chinese takeaway life and spotlighting them and like all these stories and like all the commonalities and differences are all like feeding into the, the rich tapestry that of british born takeaway life and and it's all really important e- even if sometimes we can't find commonalities it's nice to hear that there are similarities and differences uh, in mm-hmm. the same vein i think you know i wonder there's a debate as to whether the British Chinese takeaway can survive. And I say that as in it's taking on a very different format. So it's no longer run um, by our generation of, of um, Hong Kongers, of, of our parents' generation rather. And it's now perhaps um, run by immigrants from mainland China. And also, of course, there's also um, the younger generation taking on takeaways and they're changing the format that it's done in. And and I just wondered whether, you know, and this applies to, to you as well, Viv, do, do we think that the current form, format of the British Chinese takeaway can survive? Mm. Was it you, Viv, who said um, that you had some cousins who like, were brought up in the takeaway and then they went away and did something else? And then have come back and now are doing it again. That, that was, that was you, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the experience is like. If you told me several years ago that this is what I would be doing now, I would have thought there's not a lot of future in it. But like I said before, everywhere you go, you see takeaways everywhere. Sometimes at the end of quite a residential street. I think the format will change slightly. Um, I do notice these other places, these chains like walk to go and things. I think this shop is something the community, this community knows, and I'm sure it was the same for yours as well. Um, we're part of the community. We know our customers by name. We yeah. know what they like. When they walk through the door, we know what they want to order. Mm. I think there's always going to be room for that level of intimacy, more so now. Um, around the whole Deliveroo, just eat thing. I'm not quite sure how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't use them. Um, they have one of them has been into ask, and we sort of said, "Oh well, we'll have a think." But after a think, we decided we wouldn't do it because they take quite a big cut. Don't they? Yes, I was going to say yes. the fees are too high. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Why? Why would I do that?" Yeah. So, it's, too, it's too inconvenient as well. You know, you have to go through the computer. I, I don't yeah. know whether you write by hand or whether you use a machine to to tap uh, it. In, but it's by hand. Oh, the yeah. old school. <laughs> and, you know, having to like then, if it's by delivery or just eat, you have to get it through their system and it's a pain. Yeah. Like, it's a fast. Both your takeaways use delivery or whatever. No, or... no. Well, my parents sold the takeaway um, a long a long time ago. Warrington's only very recently just uh, adopted delivery. But, you know, the, there is something to be said with that technology. There's a privilege there because, firstly, it's mm-hmm. expensive. And secondly, there's a there must be a language barrier for those generations who aren't, um, you know, who don't know english as their first language mm. or are technologically efficient you know like there's there's so many barriers to that and i can see why there is such a resistance to um these types of um uh, delivery systems because whilst it's it could gain gain you a competitive advantage you know it's also going to put you at a, in a really like it's going to put you on the back burner i think when it comes to just slowing down your efficiencies and how you usually run a takeaway so mm-hmm. i can I, i've spoken to quite a few of my family um uh who own takeaways and they're resistance and it's always these same reasons firstly the cost and then secondly yes. the faff 
Yeah. <laughs> the faff. Yeah. But um, also, I mean, there are two brackets of customers that come here, Reed. There's the older ones and the younger ones. And the younger ones come in and they and they tap contact less and they go and, and they love that. But the older ones, they like to they like to come in and mm -hmm. some of them still try to come in with the old £10 note. And I have to say, I'm sorry, this is an old £10 <laughs> note. You have to give me a new £10 note. But the whole thing about greeting people, I mean, there is some level in the book where we talk about some of our customers and how well we know know them. And I reckon their I life. meal yeah. combinations because I've had to serve them before. <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't know if that happens if you're running a big, you know, no. more of a big shop, but that level of intimacy, knowing our customers well, and they've been so lovely and generous about the book. And they come in, they go, I'd like to have this, this, that, and the other. Oh, and then they whip the book out from, from under their coat and go, Aww. can you sign the book as well? Oh. So, that's been really, that's been amazing. Yes. So they've been lovely. That's so um, sweet. Yeah. I don't know if that, I think there's a difference. Like when you go to, they don't have them in shops anymore now, greeters. Like you go to a big supermarket, there's a greeter and he gives it, like, if you have a child, he gives a donut to the child. Um, but in smaller shops, they really will give a donut to the child just because you come in and you're a regular customer. Yeah. And there's, there's, a, there's a room for big shops and there's a room for small shops. A lot of free prong crackers for Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so for coming in so often. <laughs> You'd be surprised the number of people say, I don't even like prong crackers. <laughs> cheeky. This is such a random question, but do you still get people trying to write checks to you? Yes, we, we do, yes, and we cash them. <laughs> oh, no, you probably don't know how to write one, do you? No, I do. I used to, I used to like, take them at the takeaway. To bounce like mad. Yeah, we never had card machines, though. My my uh, my parents never got to that level of having a card machine. Yeah. Um, it's good. That means less fees then, Viv. <laughs> yeah. They were smart. <laughs> yeah, in those days, because now, since the pandemic, the fee, you can get a good rate with the fees. But in those days, they were extortionate, I think. And you might as well just bank the cash, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We, we used to ask them, oh, do you know, the card machine's not working today. So <laughs> <laughs> what you used to say, Carly. Sometimes. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, do, yeah. you, do you get customers who, um, like, you know them by their order rather than their name? So you go, oh, it's Mr. Kung Po Chicken or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you just like, well, we have standing orders. As soon as they walk through the door, you know what they're gonna have. And mm. sometimes once a year, they'll shock you by ordering something slightly different. <laughs> yeah. But my feeling is if you like it, just stick with it. Yeah. That yeah. thing in the book about, I don't know, um, where they talk about, oh, he looks like, I don't know, Alan Sugar, but younger, or he looks <laughs> like a fat David Cameron. That, that sort of thing does happen, doesn't it? Especially you must know with even, with your friends at school, I'm sure that your parents didn't know their names. They wouldn't say, oh, Carly. They would say, oh, that girl with the pink hair and the glasses. <laughs> they just say that, don't they? And it's just yeah. like, oh, mortification. So actually, that brings me to the point that I want to ask. Again, totally random. But yeah, a customer that's memorable for me was a guy that my mum called who looked like Richard Gere. <laughs> and we, and I, I won't lie. Um, I won't lie. We used to look forward to the customer who looked like Richard Gere come in. <laughs> but I, I also want to know as well. I want to know um, because there's one order that sticks out for me. Is there an order that really, like, you know, is is one that you'll never forget? And I'll give you an example. There's this man who used to come in every Saturday night, 
and he would order barbecue spare ribs, but they had to be cut small <laughs> and had to be not overdone. Yeah. And there was a whole, like all these little things and you just think, bloody order from the menu. Did you, <laughs> is there, is there a, an order for you that, you know, you always remember? Doesn't matter, you know, how long ago it was. I think the main ones I like to remember are more recently, we've had some elderly customers and for some reason they've decided that they only, because they're elderly, they're only willing to eat one thing. And in both cases, there was an older lady and an older gentleman. They both liked chicken curry. So we would actually set it up that they would have a chicken curry every single day brought to their door. Aww. And we did say to the family, is this really what you want for them? And they said, well, they literally won't eat anything else. So in brackets, we prefer to eat a salad and some fruit and veg, but that's not going to happen. So right. we'll have this. And it was lovely. And one of them, we got to know her quite well. Um, and she was a lovely lady. She's passed away now. Um, and she was supposed to take medication with her meal every day. And her son brought these stickers in and said, can you put this sticker on the meal? And the oh. sticker said, mum, remember to take your pill. Um, enjoy your meal, love, and his name. And we would stick it on with tape every day. Oh, my God. Oh, mm. my God. That just sh like, you wouldn't get that in the corporate, would you? Like, that just shows, like, the level of community mm -hmm. that you get from from being a, a local Chinese takeaway. Mm. That is yeah. so special. Oh, my God. That mm. makes my heart. <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's relationships isn't it that you develop in mm. the community you know it's, mm. it's mm. as well as these personal stories it's also the kids that grow up eating the takeaway food mm. and then yes and, and families that you see going through whatever stages you know yeah, yeah it's mm. definitely a very special form of local shop it is, oh. isn't it? I remember a customer called Beryl who used to uh, come in every single week and she would order food for basically like the weekend or like for a few days and it was always the same oh. thing. And we just remember the time when she just stopped um, ordering. Yeah. She stopped ordering. And then like we were like, she's probably passed away because she just come, it just drops off the radar and that was really sad because we would you would talk about the customers and you would get to you would get to the time where it's like oh it's um it's wednesday at um 7 p.m it's going to be mrs weaver calling at this time or something mm -hmm. and you can always kind of predict their behavior in a way yeah. um <laughs> uh, the other thing that used to happen on thursday nights here before the pandemic is that it was um it's not weight watchers it's slimming world Slimming world meeting between seven and eight, apparently. Five past eight, small queue. Well, that's small queue. About four or five different customers. Obviously, been to Slimming World, been weighed. <laughs> now let's come on. Let's have something to eat straight away <laughs> before next week. So that was amazing. I enjoyed that. That's so. That's actually quite strategic yeah. and quite funny, isn't it? Do right yeah. after the weigh-in, so you've got a whole week before yes, the next whole meeting. Week too, is it? Yep. <laughs> so that was good. Mm. <laughs> Those meetings were probably really stressful as well, so they needed to... <laughs> I would never agree to be weighed in public. I would never... Sorry, I'm so... Slimming World is really great and it works for a lot of people, but the whole thought of being weighed in public mm. is just awful to me. Is that what they You're do? You're both quite slim. You have to... I think so. Yeah. I don't think they necessarily... You go up and you get weighed. I don't think they shout out, Oi, babe, you're, you're 85 kilos. They just go, oh. They just write it down very quietly and then you sit, but one other person oh. has seen your weight, haven't they? So, and you never can mm. tell. They might tell everybody. Mm. But um, yes, it, it does work for some people, clearly. Particularly men, I've noticed. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe because they're being mm. told what to eat and stuff. and They're just being told what to do rather than having to think about what to cook and stuff like that. Mm. I think that. it's all about yeah. points and sins and 
stuff. So it's just yeah, everybody loses weight using whatever suits them. Being reg- some men like having a regimented approach, don't they? Being told exactly what to do. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess going back to the book, did it conjure up any forgotten emotions and memories, uh, particularly with regards to like when it touched on kind of racism and identity and stuff like that? Um, were there any points where you thought this is actually quite it's bringing back some memories from when you're younger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it probably did, and there are lots of you know really awful short of actual physical violence there's been some pretty bad things that have happened mm. um i didn't touch too much on those i tried to keep it sort of fairly because it's it's a funny book it's supposed to be a funny book mm. so some of the things are a bit i noticed they all seem to revolve around a cat in some way the worst incidents <laughs> um but yes they they do happen and but also i feel that in a way you depict things and you sort of validate them so if i depicted something truly awful i would have said Oh, that tr- you, random stranger who did something truly awful. You inspired something truly awful that I think is interesting enough to put in my book and live on, mm. you know, for a year or so after the event. And I think, no, why should I? Why should you? You should, whatever you did, should just sink into obscurity and be forgotten forever. So mm-hmm. that's the decision I came to on that. I love that indifference. Indifference mm. is sometimes like so powerful, isn't it? When you're just like, mm. I'm never going to talk about you because you don't even matter. That's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, it's that whole thing about um, sometimes I see things on social media where somebody's gone up to somebody and said, oh, your English is terribly good. And they've gone a bit berserk, which is what I would have thought when I was younger. But now I normally just say, thank you very much. Yours is good too. And that <laughs> usually shuts the conversation down, then, doesn't it? Yours is uh, very good too. I need to do that. Yeah. I need to do yeah. that. You made the point, but nicely and sometimes they don't actually get it at that point in which case you have to find a way to back out but normally you know just to not to be furious but just to be indifferent yeah that's, that's, that's very generous um yeah. and and patient because i certainly don't have that <laughs> yes i wouldn't have had it at your age either don't worry <laughs> no my my accent gets more scottish as, I, as they <laughs> speak to me and i get angrier so <laughs> Me too. When I get angry, it's super well shot. No, why are you doing it? Just like that, yeah. Mm. I'm the same, but more Warringtonian. It's horrible. It's really because you're, you're you're so northern. It was brilliant. <laughs> I got my cousins are living in Manchester, and um, they're really northern as well. And I thought you were from Manchester. I'm terribly sorry. Oh. I thought the Warrington accent would be more. Scouse, no. It, I I do sometimes slip she into can do Scouse. Scouse. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like doing the Scouse accent quite a lot actually. Um, but yeah, I I do say I'm from Manchester because I I went to uni here. Like I was here every Sunday with my family, so I I do identify with being a Mancunian quite strongly as well as a Warringtonian, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm from like the south of Warrington, but I I can make it more. I can make it more like Warrentonian, you know. It can go more scouser ah, if nice. we wanted Good. to, you know. <laughs> right, that's oh, the rest of the pod. <laughs> and I can talk yes. like this now if you want for the rest of the podcast. You it wouldn't can... be annoying for anyone at all. <laughs> it wouldn't be brilliant. You can do that Gillian Anderson thing where sometimes she's American and sometimes she's English. You should do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, when actresses do that and it's like, come on, you grew up in Liverpool. Why are you talking as if you're from LA? It's so annoying. <laughs> We're going to nearly wrap it up here now. So <laughs> Sorry. One thing, 
wanged on for quite a long time. No, it's oh, been amazing. It's been amazing talking with you. So I wanted to ask you a question, which is quite yeah. a divisive question, Julie. Um, oh. It might be the hardest question that you will have been asked throughout your entire career. Rice or noodles? <laughs> right, this, right. When I thought about this, I thought, that's noodles, isn't it? But I thought, oh, but what about when I'm ill or when I'm feeling a bit poorly and I want some chuck? Yeah. Congee. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no. But I still thought up until about half an hour ago, I'll still go with the noodles because they are both pretty carby, really, and should be avoided full stop. But um, it's rice, I think. Rice for the job oh. of the congee. Oh. I know you're team noodles. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> for, for, for listeners, we're, we're both on like tender hooks. Viv and I are, are staring at the screen, <laughs> thinking, wondering which decision Julie will make in the end. <laughs> Sweating. <laughs> Oh, what's sweating. the score? What's the score? What's the score so far? Do you know? <laughs> the score of, uh, I think it's leaning towards rice at the moment. Yes. <laughs> the consensus is usually rice, but I, I think noodle noodles are, like we're going to usurp rice. I think uh, slowly and surely. I think we're going to well, get there. Before that happens, I'd also like to know what your favourite takeaway dish is. Oh, I think. yes. You know, let's let's forget about that rice noodle debate. The favourite takeaway. <laughs> And whether you still use numbers or whether you have um, nicknames for certain dishes. And by nicknames, I say this because in our takeaway, it turns out that only we use this. I've not met anyone else who says it. <laughs> I think but so, yeah. Fried rice, chips and curry sauce. We call that sambo, so the free treasures, because that's oh, a very yeah. often, uh, oftenly mm. ordered dish. So what about your takeaway, oh. Julie? What's your favourite dish? And do you use numbers or do you have any nicknames? Right. Um, we use numbers. So that's, I can't tell you about the numbers in detail because that would give away the pin on my, on my payment card. <laughs> um, we still use the numbers, that's handy. But I saw you on your gram that you had the three treasures. I was like, the three treasures? It sounds so amazing <laughs> when you put it like that. But also- I think it's a bit snarky actually. <laughs> well, I think so, because yeah. Um, we do have people ordering the three treasures. We've never called it before that. We, I think they call it a box meal around here. They say, do you do a box meal? And I was like, it all depends on what you want in the box, mate, really. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but up until recently, I used to, people come in, used to ask for half and half, with rice and chips. And I was always adamant that, we don't do that sort of thing here. You've got to be all or nothing. You've got to pick one. Um, so that was my feeling, all or nothing. Um, we do still use numbers. My favourite meal is probably, depends from time to time. It's not very right on for me to say that I like sweet and sour pork balls. But I do. And they've fallen out of favour lately. I think it's because, to be honest, belly pork is quite a fatty cut of pork and people are very health conscious. Mm. So that's pretty, but I still love it. That's Even though it's greasy one. and fatty mm. and but not cool to admit. It's the classic though, isn't it? Sweet and sour pork is, yeah. is what sweet and sour originated from. Yeah. Whereas in Britain, people tend to order sweet and sour chicken balls um, or sweet and sour chicken mm-hmm. or they go for sweet and sour prawn. So the, mm. the pork mm. one is, is a classic one. Obviously, sweet chicken balls is obviously the hilarious one, isn't it? Because <laughs> pork, if it was called pig balls, it would also be hilarious, but it's pork balls. So... <laughs> There we go. Mm. Carly, what's your favourite takeaway dish then? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I have a few. Um, No, one. Okay. (laughs) Gosh, this is a tough question. You can't Uh, see it, but both Carly and Viv are extremely slim. So I don't know. (laughs) They probably say, oh. Julie says this and all you can see is the head. Yeah. You haven't seen the head. I've I've undone my jeans this morning, Julie. (laughs) I've done my extremely tiny pair of jeans. (laughs) 
Yes. They're both, they're both going to say, we like boiled rice with a touch of soy, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, I would say either uh, crispy shredded beef. That's something mm, that I don't make that. Um, mm. very often and seem to fail. But yeah, the other one would be lemon chicken. Mm. Oh, yeah, because you're not a fan of spicy, are you? You like... You like um... No, unfortunately not. I don't yeah. really... No... <laughs> I, I can't say any more than that. Just spicy. don't really. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Big, yeah, like, I I love it. Yeah, I've made crispy shredded beef in the air fryer recently. That's a new one. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> the air fryer in my air fryer. Um, it's turned out quite well actually. I have to say. And then I also yeah. What do I love? Oh, I would say I love anything salt and pepper. Salt and pepper chips with <gasps> uh, curry sauce. I'm so like wasting in that way. I think. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um and yeah, love a good crispy shredded chili beef. Uh, all the starters as well. The 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 mixed hors d'oeuvres are the you know I love all the crispy stuff. Yeah, the deep deep frying. There was a sequence in the novel that's been cut out where there was it's probably a bit much to have half a page raving on about how great deep fried snacks are. <laughs> I can see why now that was removed, but obviously they are the best, aren't they? Yeah. Anything deep fried, let's that go for it. Love of food and the talk of food is so prevalent in certainly Chinese culture. And mm. yes, yeah, it's, it's so relatable. So I mm. Yeah. I mean we we've, mm. we've done it a lot on this podcast talking about food too. Yes. Oh. Food equals love, as they say. Well, yeah, oh, they, I said it in my book, not they. Yeah. But, yeah. Julie Ma said it, so it's true. <laughs> no, it's not true. Well, it is true, but it's not because of that. <laughs> Oh well, thank you, Julie, so much. Um, it's everyone. We everyone needs to buy Happy Families. Oh well, thank you, Julie. We know that you're you're probably are you open today at the takeaway? We are open today, but we're okay yeah. for now. Don't worry. Thank yeah. you very much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It really does mean a lot um, to think that even in 2021, we didn't realise that our stories were so common, mm. and they are. And it's good. And I want other people with their stories to come out and to find out that they're not alone as well. Mm-hmm. And that's happened with lots of different ways with this book already. And I feel very pleased to have played a small part in making people feel more seen. Mm, Definitely. A huge part. Mm. We can't wait to see more from you. Will there be any more oh, from you? you? Do we know whether there's going to be any future plans of we, another book? We don't really know anything at the moment, I'm afraid. I'd like to. Mm. So we'll see how things um, pan out with this. Oh, well, congratulations Fantastic. again. Yeah, thank it's you. a testament to you. So thanks for your time. It's really appreciate it. Thank you.